question the voices of res and I hear Oh plastics Plastics is an SPE sponsored podcast. Hello. SPE, hello, Lindsay Nebel. How are you? Hello, Mercedes Landesri. Ah, you know, so so, you said my last name correctly is just it's it's taken me a hot minute, but now, um, and this is a helpful tip for all our uh, listeners out there, Len Dazzery with dazzle fingers in the middle, because that Dazzery, that's the only way to describe you. <laughs> I feel like that is the perfect way to go for your name, whether you like it or not. So, so I sorry. guess we introduced ourselves, and with our powers combined, we are Blast Chicks, the voices of resin. It's us. We're here, and we are resinable. We have. Great episode today. We have great episodes every Friday. I was going to say, I think we always say that. We're always so excited to talk to these guests. We have a lot of enthusiasm. Let's just say we don't pick any stinkers. No, no, we don't. <laughs> no stinkers. We get some um, trusted friends and mentors who rec- who recommend speakers to us. We don't. We sometimes we haven't even talked to them before. We correspond, mm-hmm. and and they're always gems too. Um, yeah. This is a real. It's a real treat for us. It is. Uh, and uh, and we hope it's a treat for you, our listeners. What am I yeah. saying? I don't know. Let's get on <laughs> you, with it. You know what? <laughs> well, you can listen to our podcast uh, anywhere where you get your podcasts. Not Google Podcasts as of April something, because, of course, that's the app I use and it is going away. Or you can catch the real live and jazzy version on YouTube um, that gets released not the first Friday, usually just a little bit after the first Friday. That would be the 4SPE uh, YouTube channel, if you want to search for it. Because the other one is Petroleum, and that is not you, as Society of Petroleum Engineers have a YouTube channel? We should maybe start like a like a challenge or something with We them. should take it away from them, specifically. <laughs> you know, I'm here for a turf war. Well, um, <laughs> today, <laughs> so here's the thing. Today is one of those episodes where we know this person very, very well. Um, We adore this person very, very much. And we are delighted that she didn't say no. And if she had said no, we would have begged her until she said yes. Because that's our motto. Beg until they say yes. Probably show up on her doorstep, you know. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. She didn't know that that was going to happen, but it's always an option. So, t- so today we have Darian Dierkson, the senior application Dirksen. engineer Dirksen. at PNG. <laughs> I know, I, I know, I got all flustered. I can't help myself. <laughs> Hi, Darian. Hello. <laughs> Thanks so much. Excited to be here, ladies. Uh, so we, we, as we said, we love you, adore you. Um, you're one of our favorite people. And we, we've spent a lot of time with you, but we need the plastics industry as a whole to spend some time with you. Yeah. Here, so here we go. We, uh, (laughs) Darian, you and I actually met during COVID, I believe. You were both on a panel for the virtual Women Breaking the Mold um, Mm. Plastics News event. And I hadn't heard of your name before. I didn't know what the company was that you were working for at the time. I don't think I'd heard of them. Much like when I met Lindsay, um, also not in person, I was immediately struck because I was like, who, who is this? How does this person know so much? And like, she's young and she's super cool. And 
where has she been all my life or at least all my life in this industry? Um, I mean, we vibed, we definitely hit it off. Yeah, it was, it was, it was such a delight. And then fast forward a few years and, uh, Lindsay and I had started the podcast and, or I guess we'd already been working on the podcast and we had the opportunity by your, your, uh, the company you were working at influx to come down and be a part of an event that they had there. And so then Lindsay got to meet you in person. I got to meet you in person too, because it was, Literal months after I had my third child. So that was, yes. a, that was a treat. Brought the baby. <laughs> brought the baby. Brought, brought, brought the three boys. So it was, it was funny because I was like, you know, had that impression. Like, this is amazing. Like, she's been here, like, in the industry. Like, where was she? How come I've never met her? I need to meet more people like her. And then when we walked in at Influx, it was just, then it, we were surrounded by all these brilliant female plastics engineers and, you know, people, you know, and, and males too, but it, I was really impressed by the culture that you guys had there. And I will, Lindsay, I'll let you talk. I've been gushing about this, but. <laughs> well, you're not going to get a different direction from me. It's just going to be more gushing from the minute I, I met you, you know, you have such a way about you that you are like, I just want you to tell me everything you know about plastic, even if I know it too. I just, (laughs) you bring such an energy and, you know, we've been at obviously industry events together. And anytime I've introduced you to someone, you have walked away and someone's gone, who the hell is that? She was great. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So as often as possible, I like to introduce you to people and then be like, yeah, she's cool. She, she thinks I'm cool too. Like, and, and yeah, I like the opposite where I get to run over to people and be like, Hey, do you want to meet the plastics? And then I like <laughs> run over to you guys like, Hey, I know them. Like, <laughs> well, you know what? We're all for it. We all love a good, a good brag. And we love seeing your energy. There's, I don't know if it's a dirty little secret, but you are actually from the other other plastic school that we we probably don't give enough credit to. Mm-hmm. I, I will wow. give I'll give it that. Tell us a little bit about number one, the other other plastic school. So other people other know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, at least I'm not in a, a, a gang more with uh with the other other plastic school. It's probably good because you'd lose, but um <laughs> <laughs> and then tell us a little bit about your plastics journey so far from Pittsburgh to Influx, to Reset Now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, sure. So I actually chose Pittsburgh not because of plastics. I actually got an athletic scholarship there. So like I grew up thinking I would end up in like civil engineering space. And then I went there and I was like, hey, they don't have civil engineering. So I kind of lived in this like unknown land for a couple years of undeclared, like not knowing. And then I finally went and met with the plastics professors and I took a general plastics class and it was kind of like, ah, like love at first sight. So then I got my plastics engineering degree. Um, and then it was at the, uh, and I also have to say like, go gorillas, like don't listen to the other, other plastic school stuff. Cause we rock. Um, anyways, but I met Jody Hammock who was in Flux's, uh, HR. I met her at the career fair at Pitt and it was kind of like a love at first sight, like, okay, fine. I'll come like interview out there, you know, but I was a little, I was definitely nervous. I had never been to Ohio before. Um, so jumped on a plane, went to interview. And I remember telling my mom, like, I have good news and I have bad news. Like, and both of those are that, like, I loved it. Cause my mom, obviously bittersweet, like very proud, but then also like 
that's like 10 hours away from my family. So she was just kind of like, oh man, they're taking you from me. But so I moved out to Influx and I was there for about six years. Um, and then about six months ago, I moved into the Procter & Gamble space as an applications engineer. So that's kind of been my career thus far. Uh-huh. And and you've had you've had quite a few roles already in your career, you know, ranging from process engineering to innovation, sustainability. What are some key lessons that you picked up during your time at each of these industry kind of categories? Oh, yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, so I started like as you said, a process engineering. Um, that role was just awesome in the sense of they always say like drinking water through a uh, fire hose. Like that was very much how it was. Cause I was having to just learn so much about many different injection molding presses, resins, all of the things. But I also got to learn a lot about interacting with customers and like training on the go, things like that. Then I moved into that innovation role and that role was just, I learned I think one of the biggest takeaways I have from that is like, you will always like work the hardest for your passion projects because I do have quite a bit of passion like around sustainability and trying to like help better the world. And like, that's a lot of my projects were pretty much around like, Hey, we have this very difficult resin that we're struggling with. Like say it's like a difficult like bio resin or something that conventionally they weren't able to mold it. Then that kind of got brought to me and I would kind of just get to like, nerd out on it and try to make it work with the influx technology. And then I moved into applications. Uh, I still got to keep doing the sustainability role, but applications, I got to partner more with sales because I kind of missed that customer side of things, meaning new people in the industry. So, uh, and that's what I've continued doing now in the like same role for influx in the Procter & Gamble space. So definitely learned a lot. I think out of all of it though, what I learned is like, get out of your comfort zone. Cause like, Obviously, every time you change roles, it's a little nerve wracking, but I've learned like a ton every time I switch roles. So probably biggest takeaway out of all of them. (laughs) It's funny that you say in your process position, you had to start learning about interacting with customers, because I think a lot of people come out of school thinking like, oh, I can mold the heck out of anything or any material. And then they get into a position where it's like, well, nobody wants to deal with me or nobody's like interacting with me or like my projects aren't coming across correctly. And it's like, yeah, there's a whole other side of it that like sometimes doesn't get the street cred that it deserves. Yeah. Well, and as a woman too, like, especially as a younger woman, Mm -hmm. like you go into those plants and like a lot of times you are not greeted by people. Like it's, you learn a lot about like going in with a humble mindset and like just really like working with them as a team and like gaining their respect. Yeah. Like that is probably like been a huge learning for me too. like walking into those situations where a lot of people kind of already have some like preconceived notions about you and you kind of got to break down those barriers a little bit. Yeah. Oh, my, my favorite thing is Lindsay was uh, mistaken for uh, a secretary. (laughs) Oh, I, yeah. A secretary. Um, I've been mistaken for someone in HR at a career fair where like, I was like, ma'am, you invited me here. Like, you know, I'm the engineer you invited. Um, I've been mistaken for my favorite is when I'm mistaken for someone's like wife. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like, in some of these times it was like in my younger days, like now I'm like, all right, I'm a little aged. You could, you could accept me. But I, you know, I've actually gotten, um, my favorite was in Hong Kong. They mistook me for the guy I was traveling with his wife. And when they were like one bedroom, we were like, no, they felt so bad. They um they upgraded me to like a suite in Hong Kong. Wow, that's awesome. It was a really cool room. I mean, a suite in Hong Kong was still probably 
smaller than this office, but you know, hey, it was still awesome. still got a cool view. It was a cool. View. <laughs> so, so you mentioned like a, you know transitioning different roles and recently now. So Influx was closely well was had been like part originally part of like an R and D team within Procter and Gamble, mm-hmm. yeah. and now you're at Procter and Gamble. So. That's another another big transition, right? Let's talk about what that's been like. It, I know they have a big emphasis on mentoring there. Is that right? Yes, yes, yeah. And uh, so, what what have you learned about mentoring, and and um, what do you think is is it important? Why is it important? Yeah. So I've been lucky enough. Like mentoring was really important at um, Influx, and then now like very important at Proctor too. Uh, yeah, I can probably preach till I'm blue in the face about the importance of mentoring. Just because I think for a while, even growing up, like I had unspoken mentors, but there's something about like putting a name to it and like have, giving yourself that responsibility and accountability. And then as far as like, not just being a mentee, but also being a mentor, like I've learned more from being probably a mentor than I have being a mentee, just because like getting those, and especially like, as I continue to like get older and like not be like, I feel like mentoring, especially the younger generation gives you perspective too, into like the way things are changing and like, it can keep you you keep educating yourself also like seeing things through a different lens. And that kind of can be the same thing too. Like if you have a mentor that is maybe in a different generation, it can kind of help you see things from their perspective. At the end of the day, I just, why mentoring I think is just so important is like, especially as a woman, like you will always get put in situations like whether it's right or wrong that like I've been in so many situations that I clammed up and I was like, I don't know how to handle this situation like this is very hard and i was able to take that to like people that have i really respect and i felt was a very trusting environment and i was able to kind of just like lay it out and they were able to give me really good advice so like in the future when i was presented with like similar situations i was able to like navigate that so much more comfortable and like professional and like just not like clam up and like um so yeah it's just it's important like yeah I could talk about it all day. <laughs> yeah. And, and mentoring is just like so, so rewarding. I mean, yeah. Just, and one thing actually, so I was at our um, Chicago board directors meeting just the other day on Monday. And mm-hmm. uh, a couple of the guys on there, uh, Glenn Beal, the legendary Plastics Hall of Famer. Um, amazing man. He was there. And Mark Wolverton, also amazing. We've had him on the podcast. And they're both semi-retired. I would, I would call him. Uh, Glenn is, is 90 now. So not retired. One thing that they had, it just came up in passing was how rewarding it was and how as their mentees progressed and got more experience in the industry, how much they got back, like learned so much more new information from them. And it's like, ah, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah, totally agree. And, and another thing, you know, that, that came up to me, one thing that I'd heard too was that um, it's interesting, like trying to find mentors in in this industry where a lot of the the most experienced people are male, right? And I've heard that that it can be an issue. This was the totally blindsided me because none of my mentors have really talked to me about this, but that heard from a friend was like, you know, a lot of uh, men will kind of shy away from um, mentoring younger women because of the perception of it. I was like, huh. I, I, you know, and yeah. two, two of my, my, my best mentors in this industry, uh, then it struck me that they are fathers to, to daughters that are around my age. And I was like, ah, well, this is what, yeah. you know, feels so natural. But, um, yeah. and then you have Glenn, who's everybody's mentor and 
no, doesn't, yeah. doesn't have the actual kids, the whole plastic. That's thing. another thing too. Like I also think that people automatically assume a lot of times that mentor has to be like an older woman mentors, a younger woman, and then like an older man mentors, a younger man. But like, it really does not have to be like that. Like I have multiple, like, you know, Brandon Birchmeyer, you guys both know, like I very much consider him like a mentor to me. And like, he has taught me so much, like he's a genius. Right. So like, it's just, yeah. Breaking that stigma too. Like it definitely doesn't have to look any specific way. Like it's just, if you guys have a vibe and like you guys, you know what I mean? It's just, um, yeah. And I will give a shout out. SPE does have a mentoring program that gets yes. used once a year. Yeah. And I know this because I'm about to place the next round. Oh gosh. I should, I should get involved in that again. I, I think and I, I might, started out, I, might I was should. involved and, uh, man, I still am in contact with some of those people. We right. Still have, you know? Um, anyway, great. On to the next question. <laughs> On to the next. So we spoke about this in Influx. You had a really great group of women supporting women. You know, now, you know, you're in your next move of your career. And, you know, it's kind of. I'm going to put this on you. It is your responsibility to start um, supporting women in your new role and, you know, helping foster that like new women supporting women environment. What are we like you see yourself starting to create that great base you had back at Influx? Yeah. What are um, you doing specifically? Give me details. Step one. <laughs> uh, I will try my very best. Um, but no, that's awesome. Like I remember it was a few years ago. Uh, there was a woman speaking at Women Breaking the Mold. And she was just talking about how like she was in an older generation. And she talked about how she had to like fight and claw her way to like get a seat at the table and like be, be in the room. And I remember like a quote, like I wrote it in my journal and like, I like, you know, but it was like, and you, I'd be damned if I wasn't going to sit there and claw and fight and pull other women into that room with me. Right. And that's just something that I feel like I will try to take with me, like everywhere that I go. And then like teach that as like, I keep moving forward. I feel like when I first came into the industry, there was, I'm sure you guys might maybe heard it too, but I felt like a lot of times I was getting prepared to go into my career and it was like to dog eat dog world out there. Like, be careful. Sometimes the worst ones are other women. Like I, like I can hear all these quotes in my head and like it. So I really was expecting that. And I feel like maybe it was partially just because like you guys have talked on, like I really did go into like a very supportive, awesome place. But like, I have been lucky enough to be surrounded by, women who are very genuinely like happy for my success and like men who are very happy for my success. And like, I just think that's something that every job that I continue to go on, like that's something that I personally can challenge myself to do is that like somebody else's successes are not my failures. And I am a competitive person. Like you guys joke about the nemesis thing, like, but it's like, there's always healthy competition. Like, I'm not saying that, but there's also something to be said about constantly checking yourself and like challenging others to check themselves about like, Hey, but like at the end of the day, like their success, not your failure, like be happy for them. And like, you'll get like, you'll get yours too. Like, um, so yeah, I think that's just, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's exactly it. Like coming into the industry, I feel like I heard a lot of that too. And, you know, being in my class, you know, it was, oh, the the girl got picked for the intern. So it was always felt like I was the one 
And I got chosen because I was the one. I mean, there were four of us. So it, there was still only four. Yeah. In the class yeah. And it did kind of, you, you know, you put your haunches up coming into the industry and like, you're, you're like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to do what I have to do. And like, yeah, going into battle. Like, yeah. And, <laughs> and then you get in and it's like, um, I'm in a position now where I actually work with a ton of um, female engineers and it is the most incredibly supportive environment I have ever been in hands down. And I, I mean, I've come from some supportive places, some not as supportive, but like it, it is wild to work in a company where women are taking the lead on a, a technical call and I haven't had anyone say, well, let me just check with your boss or are you sure? Or like, you know, hey, lower paid other male in this conversation. Is that correct? You know, I've been in these real conversations where it's just been like, oh, you let me do my job and you let these other women do our jobs and we are good at it. And we can all actually do our job one time and walk away. Like <laughs> um, it is it's incredible. And I, I don't yeah. think until you hit that spot, you're like, Oh, this is what it's like. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, I, I do stuff. feel like, I do feel like there's been a shift because I mean, case in point, you know, Lindsay, with our, our relationship where we were kind of like, who the F is this? When we found out about each other, right? And there was the whole nemesis thing. But I remember Sue, uh, Winicky from SPE saying at one point, and I don't know if she told this to you, but she was like, she pulled me aside. I think it was before you were on the executive board, Lindsay. And she was like, you know, the relationship that we have is so special. It's so rare to see like women who are so supportive of each other. And I think that that has been a shift, you know, like, like you said, uh, Darren, you had heard. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, we want to hear more about you. We keep, we keep going on and on just cause we, well, you're, hitting all, you're getting all the, the touch points. You're hitting all the, like, <laughs> you're giving us the feels, you're giving all us the feels today. <laughs> so let's talk about, let's talk about leadership and decision <laughs> That's a, and challenges. So, so tell us about some of the, some specific challenges that you've faced in your career that have, have shaped your approach in this industry or like leader with leadership and decision making. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think that, so this kind of touches on again, like expectations versus reality, like in my career. But I think that like, you know, in college, it, it's very like, you have to dress a very certain way and you have to shake hands this specific way. And you have to talk like this and you have to like, and it was just really hard for me. I mean, I know I'm just on video, but if you meet me, I am not a very like closed in quiet person. And so that was like really hard for me going into my career. I remember the first few months I was like, okay, put your like work face on Darian, like go to work and like be quiet and like, don't be too much. And like, you know what I'm saying? And I think that, uh, I learned that pretty early on of like, just like be yourself. And like, I will preach this to like, everybody is just like, be yourself. Like, and if you, if that person or that company doesn't appreciate who you are as a person, then like, that's probably not the best like fit for you. Like I even like you two, I think are a very beautiful example of like being unapologetically yourselves. Like you guys are fun and you guys are exciting and like you guys wear fun outfits and like you guys actually wear color. <gasps> like, you know, <laughs> it's just like- Don't you dare. So cool <laughs> yeah, I love it though. Like, I just like, it's really cool like to see 
especially like younger women, like I've gotten to go back and like talk to younger women that like listen to plastics and they like talk about you guys. Like my, one, oh. like a girl that I mentor Lexington, like when I introduced her, you guys, she was like fangirling. Right. Cause she was just like, but that's really like, I think that's very cool that you guys are able to be yourselves, but you guys are still very professional and you guys still have a lot of respect. And I just think that that's something that is becoming more accepted, like people being themselves and like not putting on like the Wolf of Wall Street. Like or that's probably a bad example, but like not putting on their that, suit. That's a very like, aggressive. Super. We have way less cocaine. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah, a little aggressive there. But that's like, you know, and like, I feel like as a leader, that's something that I want to just like inspire in others too is like, I think that in the sake of like diversity and personalities, like you're going to have the best, most cohesive team. If you're surrounded yourself with people that are not exactly like you and that don't have the same backgrounds and have, have different opinions, like, Oh, you don't agree with me. Like, that's actually kind of cool. Let's unpack that. And like, please educate me. Right. So, um, yeah, sorry. I kind of just like spaghetti no, all over the place, but dude. that's, <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned that because I don't, I definitely wasn't that way when I came into this industry. Yeah. I was I I was like I feel like I'm only myself now um because of Lindsay honestly that's what what drew me to her it was like oh my gosh she's she's being her real self on this conference call and And you guys don't know I'm still 50% more alien and and I I came into this industry like brand new like no experience like no technical experience uh, at the beginning and I, I was trying to learn a lot, but also like felt like I had to fit into this mold, right? Yeah. And dress a certain way and talk a certain way and approach everything a certain way and, and didn't think that there was a place for me to be myself and truly be myself until uh, until Lindsay and I started talking. Well, and, we love it. The world loves it. <laughs> I, well, and here we go funny. again, talking about ourselves, though. We got to get back to no, <laughs> well, you on this But I was going to say, I, I have been told that I use humor too much sometimes in my leadership. Uh-huh. Leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things where I have I have struggled and I have gone like back to the drawing board of like myself and been like, OK, do I take this out? Do I take this joke out? And every time I have done that, I have bombed fantastically whether it's a speech whether it's presenting something whether it's going into a meeting it's just i've actually been told like and i quote again if we're going to talk about unprofessionalism but um you were being a little bit of and this person told me and i'm i'm sorry uh we're, we might have to bleep this part out they said you're you're being a little bit of a bitch in that meeting and Ooh. that is what i was told when i went back to the drawing board and tried mm. to like you know, clear my slate and start back at like, okay, this is professional 101. But when you go back and just add back in your, you know, the things that make you you and make give you your own perspective, that's yeah. where you're gonna do your best you and mm-hmm. you and what you need. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that one. That's a good word. You and <laughs> <laughs> and again I contribute to the professionalism of this society. <laughs> um <laughs> Whoops. So, well, I mean, I guess we kind of already touched on it. Um, but, you know, if you had to pick a package, you've been praised a lot by your colleagues, um, by any connections you have, by, by us, us um, <laughs> by literally anyone who has crossed paths with you on your, you know, you are just like a leadership mentor package. You know, if I had to describe who I would put in front of people, it would be you just, you know, cloned out 65 times. Um, that feels safe for the future of science. 
Um, we adore you. You get all, all the praise from us. You get all the praise from people that have worked with you, people that, um, whether they're your leadership looking down and being like, that hey, Darian, she's a, she's a good egg. And you kind of have that like leadership mentorship package all bundled up in your, your you-ness. So if you had to like put a name to it, what are the, the qualities that really, really make you your, your Eunice? I, I oh, that's that. a good question. I mean, I, I, this is kind of a hard question. Cause I feel like, okay. So I think something that I really respect in a leader and something that I strive to like be daily is just like a lot of things boil down to humility. Like, I think that, um, like as a leader, it's not necessarily your job to like know everything and it's not your job to have all the answers, but it is your job to like understand your people and pull, be able to pull the right people into the room and like surround yourself with the people that can then in a team that you can then lead and like go conquer the world for lack of a better, you know, I mean, there is a lot of things going on in the plastics and there's a lot of really big sustainability goals and like, that's a perfect example, right? Like as a leader, it's your job. Um, I mean, Jody, Jody and I always, uh, we can talk for hours about kind of like EQ. Um, and like, I don't get me wrong. There's obviously a lot of positives to having a high IQ, but I personally, like, I love a high EQ, like being able to read people and like understand what makes them tick. Um, and just having the humility to say like, Hey, I don't know these answers, but like, I know you probably do. So like, can you please like, like help me out. Like, I just think that a lot of characteristics and leaders that I've looked up to and like what I strive to be is really at the base of all of it is just like having, being humble and like knowing when to say like, you're wrong, knowing when to ask for help. Um, yeah. Now you did mention sustainability for a second there. So I want to get into that. Um, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now you're a Procter & Gamble, um, you know, massive global brand owner. And of course, because you're consumer facing a lot of pressure or responsibility on you, uh, on the, on the, on, you know, this company to pr- provide sustainable solutions as you know, because you, you know, big plastics <laughs> user. So can you tell us a little bit, if you're able, can you tell us a little bit about some of the sustainable uh, solutions, technologies, um, yeah. and how, how your team is contributing? Yeah. So that's like part of the reason that um, P&G kind of kept the influx technology and pulled it under its umbrella um, because they kind of have a sustainable solutions like technologies group. Um, And there's a few different technologies, but like one of them is influx, which is just a different way of injection molding that can make uh, some difficult. It has a way of adjusting to viscosity. Um, And so we're able to kind of run with maybe wider spec PCRs or bioresins, like we have a lower shear rate. So we're able to kind of make some of those resins that typically turn brittle in a normal injection molding process. Um, So that's just kind of one of the technologies. Another one is, um, I'm sure you guys maybe have heard of it, but Pure Cycle, it's a... um, it's a chemical recycled PCR polypropylene. Um, and, uh, that that's kind of been ramping up. So you'll probably start to see more and more of it, but yeah, just a few technologies like that. And really what's cool is that 
P&G is more obviously internally going to use these products, but it's also more so kind of their effort to help like the entire plastics industry of like, hey, as a whole, we know that we have a lot of work to do. And like, these are some technologies that we're trying to kind of like build up and help offer everyone so that we can kind of conquer conquer these goals as a community instead of just looking at it as like just a company focus. So yeah, it's been pretty cool to be a part of that group. Uh, that was actually what I was going to ask you. Cause you know, like P and G, you know, you're, you're setting a big, a big uh, bar there because you know, it's not like it's just a uh, mom and pop shop that rhymes way too much for my liking. Um, but you know, so when you guys do something and it it works out well like other people are going to pay attention whether they like it or not um so when you're doing something for sustainability purposes like you are your influence you you're a plastics influencer are you aware of this did you know this <laughs> i just saw the light bulb bulb come on <laughs> i was like oh my gosh so exciting um, <laughs> so you know you have these overarching goals. What are things that you do in like your daily, um, your daily approach to work? What are some of the things that you guys do that, you know, considered um, sustainability goals and, you know, what impact do you want to see ripple out across the industry because of that? Yeah. Um, okay. So there's probably like two facets to that. Like probably one of my, I like to ask the big questions. I, I, I don't want to call it like a pet peeve, but I mean, maybe a little bit. And I don't want you guys to think that I'm like standing over the trash can area, like, yelling at everybody that doesn't throw their recycling in the recycling bin. I wouldn't be mad if you did. <laughs> but I do, I am just a firm believer that it like starts with, with little things. And like, that's a perfect example. Like at work, there's like a trash area and there's like landfill recycling and compost. Right. And like, you can watch and like, there's still a lot of stuff that's getting thrown into the wrong bins. And like, I don't do it in a rude way, but maybe if I see somebody throw a can into the landfill, I'm like, I might grab it and be like, Hey, like this can be recycled. Like you don't have to do it rude. You don't have to do it. But like, I just think it starts little and like, and then also holding myself accountable. Like, yeah, sometimes it might take a little longer to throw my trash away as I'm like sorting away the food into the compost and I'm putting this over here. But like, that's me trying to do, even if it's a little part, still trying to do it and holding yourself accountable. Um, so that's kind of the first facet. But then like as a plastics industry as a whole, like I just think that there's more that we can be doing as far as like educating around recycling. Um, I mean, the fact that we have gen eds in college, like that, I you know, I had to do economics and politics and all the things. I'm like, why isn't there like a recycling gen ed? Like I would use that Brilliant. more. Like I, you just, or like That's in funny. elementary school, like I want, I would love it if like this next generation, like recycling is like tying your shoes. Like you learn it when you're little bitty. And then like when it comes time for when you're 30, like it's just a complete second nature. Right. And so, yeah, I think we could probably challenge ourselves more just as like an entire industry. Like I've kind of talked to my like college professors about it some, but I'm like, we could be doing more. Like, I don't know how to start, but I just think we could, yeah, like educate more too. Cause I feel like the world wants to be better, but I don't, I don't think a lot of people know how to be better. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. so true. You know, I, I completely agree with you there. And and there are wonderful programs like Plastivan, well, you know, resources in the industry, obviously, you know, Society of Plastics mm -hmm. too, great. Yeah. But yeah, Lindsay and I, I'm glad you brought this up because Lindsay and I read this article the other day um, that frustrated us very much. It had maybe one one person in the plastics industry who 
works in STEM. And so this, this article was about STEM education in public schools. Okay. And and talking about, oh, the plastics industry wants a, a word with your children. And it was so interesting because it definitely was spun towards like negative plastic stuff. But the, the big naysayers that it quoted, it, you know, you look into their backgrounds and they're they're well regarded in the, you know, sustainability community. And you look into their backgrounds and they don't come from technical backgrounds at all, you know, which, hey, neither do I. But that's that's why I really try to learn and listen specifically to to the engineers. Right. And and the scientists. And that's so that like really struck me. It was like, you know, and then there's no discussion of life cycle analysis in here. It's like, where are these people getting their information? They're, they're clearly not getting it from the right places. Mm-hmm. They're whatever data they're looking at is flawed, you know. And yes, yeah. there are problems with recycling, absolutely. And that's why yes. we need to teach people. That's why we need to teach them to yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's my biggest pet peeve, though, like when I bring up that I'm a plastics engineer and I'm sure you guys anytime a lot of people in the plastics industry, like you've probably gotten the person that gives you like the nasty face or cringes a little bit when you say you're in plastics. And my response that I love to say is just like, listen, I saw that face and I understand that like plastics can sometimes have a negative connotation, but it's going to be plastics engineers like myself that figure out how to like fix this problem and not. Like, and I'm like, so like I joined this industry because I feel strongly about that, not because I want to contribute to the problem, but because I want to help the problem. Like, so, um, just like pointing that out to people always kind of opens our eyes a little bit too. Well, I mean, what's your option? If you don't like it, is your option just to hate it and hate it, like make it your nemesis? Um, or do you you join the fight (laughs) and do something? Yeah. Yeah. So. So um, I think we're we're almost out of time today, but um, Darian, what like you've you've obviously you're you're amazing, and you have so many years uh, of your career left. Like this is still kind of the beginning for you. What does the future hold for you? What inspires you? What what do you want to do? That's a really big question, Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't one of the ones that you'd maybe prep for. We are making yeah. this Friday afternoon so hard for you. no it's fine you guys are easy to talk to Uh, yeah that's a really big question um but I feel like obviously I I'm still learning right I feel like I am constantly learning a lot about myself but I mean the one thing I know for sure is that I do feel strongly about like people right I mean I am a technical person and I love getting nerdy and talking plastics but at the end of the day like I get a lot of energy and enthusiasm out of like helping like push people to be their best so I mean I don't know exactly where that takes me or what realm it puts me in but like if I ended up like getting to manage people and lead people I feel like that would um that I'd be pretty happy in that type of role but um yeah but as far as you, well, yeah. yeah, but as far, I mean, the plastics industry is also just gigantic. And I'm like, obviously, I'm not afraid to kind of like jump roles and try out other stuff. So I can't really tell you like, where in the plastics industry. But um, yeah, I don't know. And any opportunity to get out of my comfort zone, I'm like, why not? You always learn something about yourself. So yeah, that's probably my, I guess, aspirations at the end of the day is just... Love it. To help people and lead people. Love it so much. So much. Well, Darian, we could literally talk to you 
people sneaking into my office. Um, we could literally talk to you for days and days on end. And we anticipate hanging out with you. I, Whenever you are at an event where we are at, just mark off a whole 24 hours minimum to hang out with us. You know, and I'm not talking like it's, it's, if anyone's watching the YouTube, my oldest son has snuck into the office because <laughs> to unlock the door, all you have to do is use a butter knife and they have figured that out. So, um, um, but we love you. We adore you. And we really appreciate you um, coming on and letting us just ask you all the hard questions and learning about all the things that yeah. you do. So I mean, I'll get to see y'all at MPE, right? Obviously. Yeah. We'll yeah, be there. Perfect. Okay. Well, I mean, I also want to say that this was a lot of fun and I really appreciate you guys letting me like come on the come on the show. Thanks for hyping me up and, let, and talking me into it, Lindsay. Any and every time on okay. it. I love it. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. New episodes appear on the first Friday of every month. So either follow or subscribe to get those new episodes ASAP. Plastics, the Voices of Resin, is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, Inspiring Plastics Professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit for, like the number, spe.org. Oh, plastics.